0: Because State Farm agents are small business owners too, living and working in your community. That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
1: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, editor at large of Recode. You may know me as the owner of the knockoff luxury store, Fax, Sixth Avenue, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm here with Rico's Jason Del Rey, who just put on an event in Las Vegas, which we called an evening with Code Commerce. Hey, Jason.
2: That sounded very good. Hey, Kara.
1: How was Vegas? I was there for 14 seconds. It was a very fun time then that I had. It
2: was you, a very fun time. We found out how a company's trying to reinvent the department store. Good luck with that. Yep. Mm-hmm. We talked about mm-hmm. one of the fastest growing shopping apps in the country called Poshmark. And then we heard Mm -hmm. from an old media executive that we know well, Tim Armstrong, who's trying to get into the direct-to-consumer push with something he's saying is an event like coachella
1: mm. what do you
2: think about that I'm not so sure
1: i did i had a lot of questions. many I'll questions coming out of that but this interview with helena uh, uh, folks who is now who used to be at cbs and is now at the company that owns sex with avenue hudson's bay company was really interesting it was an interesting anything you thought was most important i
2: think she was you know it was refreshing how candid she was about the challenges of one of their brands lauren taylor and then uh how much they're going to stress inside of Saks the idea of not buying products, but experiences. I think she spoke about a face gym, which sounds.
1: Mm-hmm. Which I declined to decline. participate in. Anyway, we're going to play the interview I did at your event where I spoke with Helena Folks, who is the CEO of Hudson's Bay Company. So without further ado, here she is talking to me at an evening with Code Commerce. So I'm very excited to do this um, this interview. I, we've got some great interviews today, uh, also uh, all of them. But this one, in particular, I wanted to talk to her a lot. Actually, I tried to reach her when she was in the contention, allegedly, uh, to be CEO of Uber. She was among the names that were uh, brought up, which I brought up, I think I did. Um, but in any way, <laughs> I want to bring up um, Helena folks uh, to come up and talk to us about SAC and ATC. There's so much I want to talk about. Um, were you in contention for Uber CEO?
3: I had a conversation. Yes. Okay. Yes. And what did you think about that? I was really early in the process. I was early in my process too. Sorry. Right. Uh, when you uh, when you broke that news, it was uncomfortable at work for me. So okay. thank you very much Good. on that. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> but um, at that point. Um, I think mean, they were still thinking and I was still thinking. And you were at
1: CBS? I was. I want to start first at CBS. Yeah. You, to get people to, a sense of who you are and what you were doing there. Okay. You ran a massively complex, I speaking the reason they would call you for Uber is because you ran right. a very complex pharmacy, like all the retail operations, is that correct? I did. It so was can an Can you talk 80s. a little bit about what you
3: did there? Yeah. So I uh, went to CBS right after business school and I spent 25 years there and I had almost every job in the company. Uh, And I became the president of the retail business, which does about $80 billion in sales. Um, We had, when I left, 10,000 stores, Mm -hmm. including about 1,700 stores inside Target. And so, yeah, it all, about 220,000 people reported to me.
1: So explain to me the process of going, uh, you obviously were talking you were to be CEO of something, to really run something. Yeah. Talk about how you got here.
3: To oh, yeah, it's sort of like, how do you go from that to a department store? And, and, and We're going to get into why you'd want to run a department store at all.
1: But we we are? Okay, okay yeah. good.
3: Okay. Um, so how did I get there? I was never looking to leave CVS, actually. Okay. I was really happy. Um, I loved healthcare. I tell people all the time that I had joined a retailer that became a healthcare company, mm-hmm. and for me, from a purpose perspective, I was really uh, wedded to that. I felt like it was important work, mm-hmm. but honestly, I got to the point where I felt like I was at this rung and waiting for the next rung was going to be a while,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and. I was feeling hemmed in and a little frustrated. Okay. So I started uh, peeking around. Peeking around. And what what attracted you to this opportunity? Yeah, it's interesting. I I got a call from a recruiter, and she said Hudson's Bay Company. had never heard of it. Right, okay. Uh, So Hudson's Bay, for those of you who don't know, we own Saks, Lord & Taylor, Saks Off Fifth. Hudson's Bay is the largest department store chain in Canada, Mm -hmm. and we own uh, three department store chains in Europe. What got me really interested, actually, was... They were doing very innovative, out-of-the-box things. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if they made sense, but I thought it was intriguing. Mm-hmm. So they had just announced the sale of the Lord & Taylor flagship building to WeWork, okay. which I thought was odd and different and therefore appealing to Well, me. why not sell it to those guys with all that ridiculous money? But go ahead. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and so they, they looked like a company that... Was willing
1: to get out of the box, and that was what I was looking for. Okay, and so the. the but when you went in, it, it was you've done quite a lot of changing, and, yes. and it's mostly selling and and re- shedding. It seems yes. like so. Talk about your strategy. You've been there how long? One year. Exactly. One year. So you've gotten cleaned out a lot. You've cleaned out. Yeah, a lot. it was. It was. So what um, was your thinking? Was that the idea when you came in? Was to clean the place up or? I didn't know. I
3: didn't go in with preconceived notions. All I knew when I, when I went in was that these are amazing brands not doing well financially. Right. So the year before I arrived, the company had lost a billion dollars in free cash flow. Okay. Um, the EBITDA was half of what it had been three years before. And when I started getting into the numbers, I could see where the cash was being burned, Mm -hmm. and that became a compelling place for me to focus on what to do. Right, Where was that? So the first of those was our European business. Mm -hmm. We had bought the largest uh, German department store, uh, the largest uh, department store in Belgium, and we did a startup of department stores in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And uh, this had all been in the course of the previous three years. And it was not doing well financially. It was distracting us. I was over there a lot trying to figure it out. And it just uh, really struck me that if there was a buyer out there, we should be very open to that. Mm-hmm. It was also very clear that, look, I am I had grown up in a U.S.-based company. We didn't have expertise on how to run a European business. Mm-hmm. I had to let go of the first guy who was leading the European business, so I had the three reporting to me. It allowed me to get closer to it. But... Um, What was really the gem of that business was the real estate that we had bought. And so the founder of Hudson's Bay Company has an amazing eye for real estate, and he really did find some gems of real estate. And so what we ended up doing was uh, partnering with our number one competitor and doing a joint venture where we own 50% of the real estate and 50% of the operating business. Uh, we actually own 49.99% of the operating business, which allows them to be in control from a management perspective. And now, really, I show up as a board member. So anyway, that was one uh, big body of get work. Get that off your plate. Yeah, get that off the plate. So you're really not operating Europe? You're not? No, no. we're not anymore. Just, exactly. Yeah, right. Uh, we sold Gilt very quickly. Why? Gilt, gilt was a business. I could see why we bought it. It was this idea. Obviously, you're all in the space that if you're in the apparel business, you should try to have something that's online only. Um, I think it may have been a really good idea that was probably not well executed. And when I came in, what I saw was it was a massive distraction for the Saks 15. Mm -hmm. So they were spending more time worrying about that than they were running the business. And so again, we- Worrying about what part? uh, Everything, it was. I think they were worrying not so much, uh, uh, and this has been a common thread, uh, not so much about how to make guilt Great, which was obviously something we needed to do, but how to look for cool integration points with Saxoff Fifth. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always been, it's something I learned at CVS, is you got to really be careful and focused on, you know, where is the economic value in this partnership? And uh, for Saxoff Fifth, which is a big, successful company, distractions from a small Internet player that... That sounded good on paper, but really were not lifting both boats. Was not worth
1: the effort. So why good on paper is something everyone bought? What yeah. you had the permission to do this presumably? Yeah, from the thing. sure. And but to make that decision to like get rid of an internet part of the company, that was yeah, very crazy, right? Yeah. 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 No, it doesn't at all. I think it was a <laughs> mess. I think I.
3: Um, no, was. it really wasn't that hard because it was so obvious that it was going in the wrong direction. I, uh, the, the we had. Before I arrived, they had let go the leader of that business. Um, but as I spoke to the person who's leading Saks Fifth. Eighty percent of my conversations were around guilt distraction rather than how do you optimize the Saxo Fifth business. Right, and Saxo Fifth has its own digital problem.
1: And they had bought it for two hundred and fifty million dollars. Is that right? And you sold it for what? We didn't disclose. Was it fifty million? It was less than a hundred. Less than a hundred. which could be fifty, for example. Could be. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But was that that okay? Were that you worried about not feeling like you were part of the online space? Uh, no,
3: I wasn't, because actually if you the digital penetration of Hudson's Bay as a whole is quite
1: significant. So you didn't need to have no, that internet that. company. In and and internet really people. what I
3: thought was that um, there were a lot of really great technical people who we have absorbed and they really helped us as a company, so there were many good things we got from the acquisition. Uh, but I, I thought that was not
1: a hard decision. Not the hard decision. Now, so then you've also been closing Lord & Taylor's, like moving them to closing them down, and you closed some stores, the home outfitter stores, too. So we closed... We're going to get to what you're going to do. I know, right. We closed the uh, It's uh, always the flagship. lady who has to clean everything yeah, up. The, Have you ever noticed that? <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> the, uh, the flagship Lord & Taylor building we closed down, and we said we will sell up to uh, 10 other Lord and & Taylors, and uh, so we're doing that. So Why? Why? Uh, Lord and Taylor uh, is um, uh, I, I think has amazing loyalty among the people who shop there. Mm-hmm. They are not enough of them, but they are amazingly loyal and we have incredible people working in that business. I think it's in the toughest part of retail. The middle? The middle, exactly. It's neither the high-end luxury where you can really own it, nor is it the low-cost, deep-discount retailer. So it's so not
1: like up at it, Saks, it's not down at Ross.
3: Yeah, it's, it's really, um, so I, I think it's, it, and, and we have a fairly high-cost structure, and uh, I've brought in a new leader. She's here today. Uh, Vanessa is the president of Lord & Taylor. Um, she's doing amazingly uh, innovative things with that business. But uh, it, it is handicapped by its positioning in
1: the marketplace. In the marketplace. Yeah. How do you change that? Do you, you have to go up or down, right, or some way? You can't yeah. really go down with Lord & Taylor. Like, you can't, go, la- you you can't, can't can- go down. I think you have to get personal and local.
3: You have to stop saying, we're a chain. You have to say, I'm in Westfield, New Jersey, and I'm going to be incredibly relevant for this market that I serve. I'm going to bring in new services, stylists, and do things that really matter to the people who live in this
1: community.
0: State Farm agents can help you create a personalized insurance plan that fits your small business needs and budget. Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack.
1: I used to go to Lord & Taylor. I think it was in Northern Boulevard, I think it was somewhere like that, uh-huh. uh, and it was, it was, there was, a, my mom worked at Balma Teller which is another Balma Teller. Yes. and we used to go to the Birdcage, which was your oh, yes. chain of stores, and every time we went, I went with my two brothers, and it was, the woman would always give desserts, and it was always boys' day. And on Boys' Day, they got two desserts, and I got one, and it was never Girls' Day. <laughs> that is not right. I am so sorry, Kara. Shockingly, sexism is around. Shockingly. Even in the birdcage. Yeah. Yes. So if you do something with that store, you better friggin' give girls. Girls get twice a to- dessert. Okay, good. Thank you. So, yeah. but, but I remember going to Lord & Taylor's. It was a beautiful yes. store. It yes. was very high level. Oh, A lot beautiful. of stocking, ladies with stockings, yes. that kind of thing. Yep. How do you then go up? since you, When you go up, you hit so many you hit bang into including sacks.
3: Yeah, I don't think you can go up so high, but, but the, the woman shopping our stores uh, is really in her uh, early 50s. She's working, her income is good. She's got kids she's taking care of. So she's got the income and she's looking for quality. We score way off the charts on quality. Um, So we're doing a lot to really make her happy. We have overcomplicated that business, but the brand itself and the product we sell has
1: a lot going for it. When you think about a brand like that, why not, having closed the other things, why not just close that? Um, You know, look, I've I've always said everything's on the table. So I'm not
3: closing off any options. Sorry, (laughs) Vanessa.
1: (laughs) Apologies. Okay.
3: Um, no, but I, I think our real focus is on Saks and Hudson's Bay. Right. And so the real job that I have in this business with all of the pieces that we own is to figure out where is their great upside as I think about the next And what's a waste of your time. Yeah. And Saks and Hudson's Bay have tremendous upsides. So we closed also Home Outfitters. And we closed too. Home Outfitters. Yes, I've, I have been busy closing. <laughs> yeah. I hadn't really thought about it this way until well, you started hitting me with all of I that. I had. Um, so Home Outfitters <laughs> was a, a chain of 67 stores in Canada focused in the home, and um, it was also not performing well. So again... What was wrong with that? Person? Take all the... It, you know, it was... Uh, uh, in Great people working in our stores, but um, kind of... Uh, me Too products, and quite frankly, all the great products that we were selling in the stores, we had nearby in a Hudson's
1: Bay store anyway, so right. we really didn't need all it. All right, so you're focusing on Saks and Hudson's Bay. Yes. Talk about Saks, first of all. Another, legend. I had a, I have a Saks bag with my clothes. I noticed. Uh, my mom shops there, and I've been to Saks a lot Don't you shop there? I, I don't shop at all, so okay. I just have I'm people bring me sense. things. <laughs> um <laughs> Um, and then I grudgingly buy things from Amazon. Um, and I try Stitch Fix, but they never get it right. So um, I think I told, my, I told hair. that story here last year, when they finally, the stylist said, you're too simple and androgynous for us. <laughs> so, um, which is accurate. Um, but I, I don't like to shop. Um, I never did. Don't worry, it's not you, um, it's me. Um, But what are you trying to do with Saks? I did love Saks. Saks is doing really well. So uh, the
3: last quarter we had uh, over 7% comps at Saks. And and, uh, it is a business that uh, is, I think, really redefining luxury. And uh, so what are we trying to do there? I would say the two big thrusts as we think about luxury are to... Obviously, really win in digital and personalization space. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, it's to win from an experience perspective. And when I say experience, it means both the in-store, the online, but also um, services, which I think is a big, uh, important factor for all of us who have real brick-and-mortar retails is we've got to figure out how to get people in our stores. So experiential. Experiential services. So what I mean by that is if you, uh, I would love all of you to come see the new sacks on Fifth Avenue in New York. It is honestly spectacular. We opened it on February 7th. Mm-hmm. I'd been under construction uh, all through that Christmas period, which which was challenging, but um, we took the whole main floor and tripled the number of handbags on that floor. It is spectacular. We took, uh, one of the problems with the sack shopping experience is when you walked in the store, the sight lines were tough, and you didn't know where the elevators and back
1: escalators were. Which was were. the point in the old
3: days, right? Yeah, but we loads. opened it all up, right. and so it's really bright. We took uh, we we got a, a, a escalator designed by Rem Koolhaus, and um, we have an escalator now right in the middle, and it goes up to the beauty floor, and it will go down to the jewelry floor. And so the beauty floor is on
1: the second floor with beauty with up to windows second. and stuff.
3: And like. we opened the windows. So all the glorious windows on Fifth Avenue had been blocked by, uh, because they had the stock room back there. So we took all that down. The sunlight is pouring in. And we have lots and lots of services. So my uh, favorite is one called Face Gym. You can go and have your face worked out. For thirty minutes. Alright. You should do that. You no. travel
1: a lot. I, I will You're never, busy. I will never do that but thank, you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Appreciate you. Okay. All right. Um
3: okay. I should stop I should stop tell. recommending services. My mom will I can go. tell My I'm mom. not gonna get a bite here. Okay, okay. Right. Um, so anyway, we have a, a bunch of services. We also opened a spectacular new restaurant called Lavenue. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, the original Lavenue is in Paris, and this is the first outpost outside of Paris. Uh, it's it's really magnificent. So that's what on the top floor that's On
1: the top two floors there's a right. bar and then the restaurant itself. So I th- you know I think. So services is like the idea that people want to come in and enjoy the store yeah. I, I agree. I think, yeah. I think the three things that are critical for offline retail I covered yeah. retail for seven years actually for a long time so I have yeah. some knowledge of it is experiential, yes. customer service and merchandising that you can't get in, that you, yep. that you can't get Amazon I mean Absolutely. you can get it on Amazon but you can't it, put it together. Yeah, like you don't put it together the yep. same way. And You're same right about way. that. What other things? So, like, okay, face, gym. All right, what else?
3: What else? So, uh, you can have cellulite reduction. You can have your nails done. You can have a brow bar. You can have facials. We have uh, 15 different um, rooms for uh, facials and other services. And for foods, you have just the restaurant, but not a food court. We do. We have like in Germany, I know there's, there's we a... need, We're going we're to add more food. Because mm-hmm. I, I, um, we have a, on the fifth floor, we've got a small coffee bar called mm-hmm. Fika, uh, which is really nice for a little break. But one of my observations, I was just in Europe looking at some spectacular retails over there, and uh, they have more food options on
1: more floors. So it's mm-hmm. something that I'd like to do in that as well. It reminds me, in Washington, Union Market. Or something. It's, yeah, it's really fascinating yeah. what they're doing with retail and, yeah. and uh, food at the same time. Because And it was packed, it was packed with people looking for an experience. Right, thing. exactly. So what are you expecting to do? You, you have how many sacks now? We have 40 sack stores, right. and um, it's. It's a very
3: healthy business. We expect that to grow um, significantly. I've got big ambitions for it from both the top and, and bottom And then the discount line. business, so... And Sock- Off Fifth? Yeah. Yeah, Saxo Fifth is, is probably in one of the best sectors of retailing right now. We've not been doing so well, but I see a good path for that business to turn around as well. How so? Uh, because it's almost like a textbook for um, everything that you would do in that category. Um, the former team had made some other decisions, but we're making changes. So, for example, um, you know, we were buying it like we were department store retailers, which we are. But instead of being out in the market and and turning that product quickly and looking for deals ourselves that we brought to customers, so we're just making that shift. Where uh, we had moved to a everyday low price strategy, we're moving back to what people expect out of a off Fifth. And so. Uh, we're bringing more SACS product into the stores. It's a great outlet for us from a uh, product that isn't selling the SACS. So if you look at uh, just last year, every quarter we
1: um, improved our
3: performance, and I do see that business turning around. So
2: when you think
1: of the idea of a department store, obviously online is still, even though you yeah, shed guilt, absolutely, how do you look at that? Because your competition is who, from what your
3: perspective? Our competition is everyone who sells our product, but I would say there's obviously the traditional big-box uh, luxury department stores, Neiman Marcus and, and Nordstrom being mm-hmm. the two. But you could be home buying from Net-a-Porter uh, or Farfetch as well. So I think what we have to do is, is figure and out the
1: real real, and the real real. Yeah, and they absolutely. They just opened a stunning store in Los yeah, Angeles. Yeah, the
3: real real is also a great a great retailer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Their store looks like a Barney's in Los Angeles. Oh, the, oh, I haven't the been new to one ones. in LA. No Go see it. It's great. It's fascinating. fascinating. Go see it. Right. Uh, so, the, uh, I'm really excited about digital at Saks because what, what we're doing, I, I think, is really, rem- it, it goes from this belief I've always had that you can never out Amazon Amazon, right? right. We're never going to be like the best pure play retailer. Or what, data. Or- what we have to do is marry digital tools with our store experience so that when you want to come in, we've got the right experience, digitally powered for you. But when you want to stay home, you can do that too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have 4,500 stylists all across the chain. And we are giving them tools to serve their customers. We have ways for them to, for example, if you're in, D- you're going to be in D.C., you said this week. Yes. So if you were on our website searching for product, um, we actually have a stylist who will pop up and uh, offer you the chance to, you can come in and try that on, or she'll get it to your hotel if you need it there. So it's a real person who's powering uh, that digital tool.
1: We're going to take another break now. We'll return to this conversation with Hudson's Bay Company CEO, Helena Folks after this.
4: Support for this podcast comes from Constant Contact. If you're a business owner, you already know that it's really, really hard to cut through the noise of everyday life. Now, you just got
1: here, but how do you, why do you think department stores and other regions have been so slow in that regard, in terms of, like, there's all these great ideas, either, whether it be Stitch Fix yeah. or whatever, or Real Real or something else. What's been the... What has happened? In, and, and, you know, Amazon doing what well, it's doing. Well, first of
3: all, Saks is doing a lot of things right, so I, I don't want to be critical of, of the, the business or the industry. I do think in this particular marketplace, uh, for whatever reason... There's been more of an inward focus than an external focus. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would say. Meaning? You know, looking at ourselves and our our, our direct competitors who are exactly like us, as opposed mm-hmm. to saying, "How's the consumer evolving?" I always uh, like to use this term. Um, Clay Christensen used it. You know, what's the job she's trying to get done? Mm-hmm. So when you think about the job that she's trying to get done, it, it's actually much more than just buying product. It's like. I'm getting ready for my daughter's wedding. What are all the things that are related to that?
1: And how do we fit in and help her do that? So I think it opens your aperture. How do you think of data right now? Because obviously that's getting a lot of attention. Yeah. You know, Facebook did its daily screw you person with your data with your phone today. Like they can now hack your phone because Facebook did something stupid. Like the data that's being misused by a lot of these, they did. Look it up. Turn off your phone thing on Facebook immediately, <laughs> just, please. Um, but the, 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 the lack of care for your data is something that I think is an opportunity for stores, for, for old old line, line businesses that yeah. that think more strongly about privacy just naturally. But do you do you use a lot of data, or how do you look at? Yeah, the look. The, I, I've always believed that. Um,
3: it's a two-way street. People share their data if they get something useful from it. And the the usefulness that we can provide our consumers with data is to know what you love and to make it more relevant and easy for you to shop with us. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we, we use data because we know the kinds of brands you've bought. And we can then recommend other things we think you'll like or uh, a new we you have a stylist and and she knows that you've always had your eye on you know this particular jewelry line and something new came out so i think as long as we are you know doing it in a trusted way and using that data to serve our customers that's the guiding principle we and need the, to use the last
1: thing is where do the fresh ideas come from like in an older older business where how do you Innovate into new things. I mean, whatever, whatever you think of these businesses like Stitch Fix or Run the Runway yeah. or Glossier, or they on and on and on. They're so interesting. They're great. You I, know? Yeah, I love. They uh, do not come out of any of these stores, which yeah. used to be that yeah. to them. So how do you do that as a CEO? Innovate within the company. I think one of the or things do I've done. Yeah. One of
3: the things everything. I've done that we haven't talked a lot about is, um, I'm really proud of the team that I have. I've. I would say roughly at the top of the house, half the people in the seats were were there when I arrived and half of them are new. Mm -hmm. And for me, in any company, that's how you create healthy tension Mm -hmm. because the people who've been around are gonna give you perspective on what you might be missing, but the new people that I've brought in didn't come from this industry and so they're challenging the the status quo. So where are they from? um, Well, Vanessa came from Stitch Fix and before that she was in the department store industry. Um, I brought a CTO from CVS, mm-hmm. and um, my head of marketing uh, came from BJ's, mm-hmm. uh, and um, so it's 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 other industries. It's people, people who don't really aren't really wed to this particular industry. But but by the way, I grew up at CVS. I was there for twenty five years. You can be a challenger inside a company with longevity, and we have plenty of those as well. Mm-hmm. It's people, I think it's the people who are dissatisfied
1: with the status quo and are always looking around and trying to figure out what's new. And last question, what do you imagine if you're trying to get people into stores and the store of the future would be to you? If you had to think of something in 20 years, what does yeah. the facts look like?
3: Hmm, well, I think we'll keep pushing along these. Or Hudson's Bay, or whatever. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to feel like um, theater and entertainment, and a place that you, you're going to feel this, like, level of excitement to be at. And at the same time, um, the beauty of, look, the, the, the things that we buy, there's a touch and feel about them, which is you can't get just buying online. Mm-hmm. So it's how do I, when you walk in that store, I know you immediately and I make it easy for you. Mm-hmm. I will say that department stores can be hard to navigate. Yes. So how do we help you as soon as you walk in the door to find the things that are going to really make you don't You don't think happy. you should walk in and they should know you. That's what I
1: mean. I mean, yeah. really know you. Yeah, like really know they, you. They, things start popping yes. off of you. Yeah. I don't know do how you the see world that? will. I think the world will evolve that way, where they just get your eyes or whatever who they yeah. know who you are. Yeah. I you do. Imagine that? No, really. I, I mean, you, people
3: are already playing around with those things. So yeah, yeah. I do think. I do it. think that's going to happen.
1: All right. Anybody get up for questions? We have questions in a minute. Um, I, the last question I have for you, Helen. Who do you fear? What is it? Amazon? I mean, Jeff Bowes has gotten distracted lately, obviously. Um, but, when, but, he, but he'll be back. He'll be back
3: when he settles down. Um, I, I, the, thing, the, the biggest thing I fear right now, actually, is our own inability to move fast enough. It's just the complexity. The, I, it wakes me up at night to think about, are we moving fast enough? Because the world's moving so fast.
1: OK, questions?
4: Let's talk about Canada.
3: Um,
1: oh, yes, let's yes, talk about we Canada. we didn't talk about Canada, Phil. Yeah.
3: You know, Sorry. the part of the continent that I like Canada. Normal. <laughs> um, so Hudson's Bay, you just had a, a switch at the at the top there. Um, tell us a little bit about what upside you see there, because it's yeah. a little bit like Saxa You know, Canada is for a country of frozen people at home. <laughs> E-commerce is not as penetrated as it is here. And I'm just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you see in terms of opportunity for Hudson's Bay on that front and on the storefront. I'm very excited about Hudson's Bay. And and I'm sure if you're American sitting in this audience, you're not very clear about who Hudson's Bay is. I was not a year ago. But Hudson's Bay, uh, we own 90 department stores. And basically, we're everywhere the people in Canada are. Uh, Akin to? uh, There is no akin to. That's what's amazing. That's what really struck me. Uh, People in Canada feel this immense loyalty and connection to and fondness for Hudson's Bay. They learn about it in fourth grade because Hudson's Bay was founded by a charter from King Charles II, a land grant. So they learn about it in the history books. Uh, We carry many more products. So it's like whether you need a mattress or something for your kitchen or a prom dress, you go to Hudson's Bay. I had one woman say to me, you know, she said, I don't shop that often. But if Hudson's Bay were to ever go away, I'd be really sad. Mm-hmm. So there is a, there's really a deep uh, emotional bond that people have. And uh, I'm excited because I think there's even more we could do at Hudson's Bay around the same things we've been talking about, experiences, services. You know, the beauty business needs to be completely reinvented. And we've got, uh, for example, a couple of partnerships that are exciting. We put a WeWork in two floors of our Toronto Hudson's Bay store because we love the idea of people coming to work in a department store. I think that's really cool. It's going to bring more bodies in the door. We had a whole FAO Schwartz partnership this year. We did a partnership where we um, showcased the top young designers in Canada to show the world what they were doing. So I think theres it's a very exciting business. It's um, more on the early stage of its growth curve, I would say, than Saks, which is Clearly humming along, and we have more work to do at Hudson's Bay. Do you imagine closing
1: stores or?
3: Uh, right now, everything's on the table, but there's nothing imminent. Okay.
1: Another question, right
4: here. Uh, hi, Linda. Nice to uh, nice to hear from you. I'm a Canadian, and I live on top of Hudson's Bay. Okay. So I'm forced to go into Hudson's Bay every every day to get to my parking. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but what's interesting about this is I've seen the evolution of Hudson's Bay for the last ten years. Um, I'm very intrigued by what's happening in the recent times where I've seen. Uh, Hudson's Bay partnering with more digitally native brands like Casper, yes. uh, and I'm seeing them more and more in the store. I was just wondering what the philosophy behind that is, yes. and what the go-to go-forward strategy with that. Thank
3: you for bringing that up. It's a great example. Um, so one of the things that we've been looking at is the sleep category. It's a critically important business. I knew it from my days at CVS. I mean, it's one of the top issues that keep people uh, up at night. Um, but uh, we, we were fairly traditional up until last year, selling the traditional mattresses you would expect to find in a department store. And uh, we knew that uh, the world was moving towards the Caspers. And I think it's a great example of someone like Casper saying, wow, Hudson's Bay has 90 stores everywhere I would want to be. I don't need to go open storefronts. I can partner with Hudson's Bay, and we could do something really unique together. So... We're looking for more things like that. There's, there are more opportunities in sleep, but actually across the store. I mean, isn't it so interesting that more and more online businesses, you mentioned real real, are opening up stores? And I would like to be the place that they come to. So for those of you who run online businesses and think there's a connection in a store, Come reach out because I think it's. I think that's the world that we're going to live in. It's going to be much more integrated. Well, they want
1: a presence in certain places, not yeah, everywhere. They that's don't fine. Be hindered by, yeah, you know, lots that's of right. stuff. Right here. Last question. Uh, Courtney Reagan from CNBC. I just have a question about what Lord & Taylor gets out of the online store that's being hosted on Walmart's website. Yeah. It's a little confusing, I think, when they first sort of pitched it to us as journalists, and I still don't really understand what you're getting out of that or if you're getting anything out of it, if you can share what you've learned from sure. that.
3: Yeah, that was, uh, that was one of the examples of the things that intrigued me when I got the call because they'd already announced this deal. Um, so the theory behind the partnership is all the eyeballs that are going every day to Walmart.com, which vastly outweigh the number of eyeballs that we get on the Lord and Taylor website. And the idea that, you know, Walmart could really um, use those eyeballs and itself create its new positioning around a more premium brand of clothing. So uh, you know, look, I think the jury is still out and we're both looking at it really hard and learning a lot every day and figuring out what's working, what's not. I think the idea is still very intriguing. I think the challenge is still for both of us around the execution of it, which is still not as easy as it should be. So if you're confused when you go, I can see why. It's uh, Some of it's walled off, for example, in a premium store because of the way we want to treat the brands, but it doesn't always make it as consumer friendly as it is, as it should be. On the other hand, it's still very interesting to me to have a partnership with someone who has that level of traffic and to figure out how we can mo- make each other better.
1: I think she's confused, too. That's my, that's my impression. Um, well, that wasn't nice. <laughs> I think you are. It's confusing. No, it's, it's, the jury's I out. We're still it. learning from it, um, definitely. You can say you don't get it. I don't get it either. Um, so last question. Who do you pick one retailer or online or offline you think is doing something super cool? What do you think that is? Just one? That's not one of things from yours.
3: Le Bon Marché in Paris. Why? Um, it's an amazing experience. So visually, when you walk in, there's a new art installation every two months. Um, they're rotating the store, so many areas of the store are rotating every two months with a theme. So it makes it very exciting. You have to go back frequently to see what that feels like. And uh, I think they've done an amazing job editing the product. And something you don't like, a retailer that I yeah, don't like. Something that you saw in the. Well, no, I, I, I can't name a particular brand, but there are many sad stores we all walk in and you say to yourself, well, you know, this this uh, retail's hard. And one of the things I love about the business that I'm in is we really do have great brands. We don't have too many stores, which is fantastic. And uh, we're in amazing real estate locations. So I think we have a foundation from which, as long as, to your point, we're creating great experiences, fantastic customer service, and really good digital integration, I think we have a real opportunity to win.
1: Yeah, you should go to Fairfax Avenue in Los Angeles, too, and watch okay. all the pop-ups there. Yeah. There's one called pop Golf Ups Wang, was... okay. which I somehow paid $150 for a sweatshirt.
2: But well, that is you. another story. They got anyway. you.
1: Oh, yes, they did. <laughs> Thank you so much. Okay. Thank Thanks again to Helena Folks for joining me on stage and to Recode's Jason Del Rey for producing the conference. Jason, tell the people about your next conference.
2: We're gonna be hosting a two-day e-commerce and retail-focused event in New York City in September. We've done it for two straight years. We got great feedback and we're gonna be back Look for updates about the event at events.reco.net.
1: Until then, you can find more episodes of Rico Decode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please tell a friend about this show. You can also follow me on Twitter at Kara Swisher. Jason, where can people follow you online?
2: They can follow me on Twitter at Del Rey. That's D-E-L-R-E-Y.
1: That means king, right?
2: The king. Of the king.
1: Of the king. Now that you're done with this, go check out our other podcasts, Recode Media and Pivot. You can find those shows wherever you found this one. Thank you for listening to this episode of Recode Decode. Thanks to our editor, Joel Robbie and our producer, Eric Johnson. I'll be back here on Monday. Tune in then.